When I was teaching first grade, one of my very favorite moments of teaching in any year, and it happened multiple times a year and in multiple years, was the aha moments you saw from students. And gosh, what a fantastic feeling to be front and center to the light bulb finally clicking, the light bulb clicking that shows empowerment to the kiddo, empowerment that, wow, they really can figure out that word (laughs) or they can figure out that thing that had had them stuck for so long. And the wonderful thing about teaching and the wonderful thing about what I'm doing now, teaching you busy mamas, is that I still get to do what I love. I love delivering and helping to deliver the aha moment. I know that it's work on the person's part, but when I get to be front and center to that aha moment, it is powerful, both for me and whoever's on the other side. That's what we're talking about today. We are talking about the light bulb moment that happens when you finally get unstuck. When you finally allow yourself the freedom to believe that change can happen, when you finally allow yourself the freedom to know that the action you are making is going to be a ripple effect into other actions. And yes, we are talking about home design. And one of the things that that I often find myself questioning is why it really matters. Why does it matter? It matters because your home is a canvas for storytelling and you are the author. That's why it matters. So as the author, you are empowered to tell the story you want to tell. And what is it? What story do you want to tell? What environment do you want to create for the teeny tinies who you share your home with, with your husband who you love dearly? And for you, sweet sister, for you, as busy mamas, I know the plates we carry. I know how heavy they are, I know how full they are, and I know that every once in a while we drop one or two. But what I'm wondering is how your home environment serves you. Of course we want to make space and make a lovely, warm, welcoming environment for the people we love, for the little ones we serve day in and day out and by the hour. Of course we want that. That's what makes us great moms. But what about you? What is holding you back from creating a space that you want to come home to, that you want to show off to your friends, that you want to say, look, this is not janky anymore. Look, this is hand created by me. Look, I took a risk and I hung that wallpaper and I love it and it's me. So what if you don't love it? But it's me. What are you doing in your home to create space for you? to make space for you to breathe a little easier, to make space for you to take a second when you are holding all of those plates high and heavy and you're juggling all around, what are you doing in order to make space for you? Are you waiting for the kids to be grown and gone so that they don't ruin whatever it is you bring inside? Are you waiting for your husband to finally wake up one day and say, you know what, actually, go ahead, make all the choices. <laughs> Are you waiting for the, the money tree to finally grow in the backyard? Are you waiting for the day you realize, you know what, I have an extra 20 hours <laughs> and I could do whatever it is I want with that 20 hours. What is it that you're waiting for? What is it? If your word for your home, if your first word for your home is a negative one, you heard me use the word janky earlier. 
I've heard people say stupid. I've heard people say tired. I've heard people say dumb. I've heard people say ugly. I've heard people say embarrassing. What word are you using right now today to describe your house? What word is it? And if it is not a positive word, change is in order. If it is not a warm, welcoming, cozy, fun, playful, lovely, whatever positive word, you can pick the positive word, whatever that is, if it is not a positive word, it is time to make some change. It is time to make space for you to create the space in the home environment that lights you up, that lights, it only starts with a room. And when you start with that one room, that will be your aha moment and will give you confidence in order to create the next one and the next one and the next one until you are finally sitting in a space that you love dearly. Of course, we are still going to hold our plates. We are still going to hold them. We're still going to have them heavy, heavily laden and we are still going to be able to try to do all the things because that's what makes us moms, right? Now's the time, sister. And that's what today's episode is about. We are going to walk through some ABCs for you in home design to get you moving forward. Stick around and enjoy today's show. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is, but our culture has shifted and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, goodwill shopping budget. And I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style. Where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. We're walking through the ABCs of design and we are not going to go all the way to Z. We're going to stop at E today. (laughs) But in order to get started, get momentum happening, we are going to take it back, back to the beginning, back to the basics. And these are the things that you should know in a nutshell. A is for the anatomy of the room. And I'm not necessarily talking about the windows and the doors, but I am talking about three components that you need to be aware of. One is the foundation. And when we think about the foundation being anything that, that the design is built upon, it is critical, right? One of the things, actually two of the things that are super critical in home design are the pieces that make the foundation and that is the walls and the floors. Changing one or both of these elements will dramatically and drastically change the look and the feel of your home. Remember that. Okay, the other piece of the anatomy of the room that we wanna talk about and remember is these two pieces. One are your anchor pieces. Your anchor pieces are things that are either built into your home or they are too costly to replace every two or three years, maybe even every up to five years. And the other are the peripheral pieces. And these are the things that are small but mighty. They 
add the layers and the depth and the nuance to home design. These can be changed out a little bit more frequently because the cost point is not too high. It's not as high as the anchor piece. Now, an example of an anchor piece would be something like a built-in bookshelf, a fireplace, something even like a dining room table or a couch. Things that are have a high price point. Peripheral pieces are things like textiles, pillows, lamps, maybe even side tables. Now, every everybody is going to be a little bit different in terms of where their scale is for what can fall into each category. For example, I know for me, my area rug in my living room is a peripheral. I didn't spend a whole lot of money on it, and I did that intentionally because I knew I had pets. I knew I had small kids when I purchased it, and accidents happened. So I I knew that the chance of me replacing it was going to be higher as they were younger, and maybe later on I'll invest in it in an anchor piece kind of way. But right now it is peripheral. So each person is going to have a sliding scale for those anchor pieces and peripheral pieces. Now, this is super important that you remember these categories as we move forward in the ABCs of home design. Once you understand those things, you're going to identify the purpose of the room. What purpose do you have for the room that you're redecorating? Now, we didn't go back and we didn't decide which room you're starting with. Some of you already know. You know which room you want to redecorate. You know because it has been on your mind. It has been driving you bonkers. It is all the things you've known for a while, but some of you might think, gosh, I have a house full of rooms and I don't know where to start. I want you to ask yourself these three questions. The first question is, which room do I spend the most time in? Or ask yourself, which room do I host the most people in? And then I want you to ask yourself, which room drives me the most bonkers? And if you answer the same room for two or three of those questions, that is the room you should start with. Now we ask ourselves, what is the purpose of that room? Not the purpose that it's serving now, but the one that you want it to. Because chances are, if it's a room that you think, gosh, this drives me bonkers, it might not be doing its job for you. It might not be doing the work it needs to be doing in order to make your life easier. So what purpose do you have for that room? Ask yourself that question and write down all of the activities you hope to have happen in that room. For example, in my living room, I want it to be cozy enough to welcome a group of teenage boys, but feminine and maybe not elegant, but nice enough to host a gathering of my girlfriends. I want to be able to sit comfortably and watch movies. I also want to be able to have enough seating to have game night. I also don't want to be too fussy. I want to make sure that we can have some snacks and some drinks in and around our furniture. These are the things that I want to have happen in my room. This is the purpose I have intended for it. Now you're going to go back to those anchor pieces, only the anchor pieces, and you're going to see if the current anchor pieces you have right now are helping you to meet the purpose you have intended for the room that you want it to be. Not how it's serving you now, but what you have, uh, the intentions you have for the room, the purpose you want the room to serve. Are those anchor pieces meeting that room's need or not? And if they are not, now's the time. We can gift those pieces away. We can say, thank you so much for serving me and my family, but eh, I'm getting you out of here. (laughs) We're going to come up with something else. And this right here is the very basic 
very start of your wants and your needs list. For example, in my living room, I have a couch that seats about five and I have some side chairs. Those are meeting the purpose I want for the room. So those are okay. Those are anchor pieces that are going to stay. Now, do I like the color of my couch? I'm kind of actually over it, but it is not currently making it so that I can't do the activities. And the design is still in my aesthetic. So I'm camping out with that couch for right now. Maybe it'll go on the low end of my want list. Very low on my wants. It is not high on my needs. All right, the other part of A in home design is understanding your aesthetic. And when I say aesthetic, I really don't mean style. Style can be so broad and it can be so generic, but you, my dear, are nuanced. You have a lovely personality and that style needs to be reflected through you. What makes you unique? Honing in on that and bringing that to light in your home design is what we're trying to do here. So forget the terms modern, forget the term Scandinavian, forget the term farmhouse, boho, nautical, forget any of those. What I want you to think about is what are the teeny tiny little nuances that make you unique, that draw you in and that you gravitate to over and over and over again. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to think that if you are ever stuck in indecision when you're trying to purchase things at a home decor store, or if you ever see things and you think, oh, that's going to look so cute in my home and you get it home and you think, oh, no, wrong. That doesn't look cute. And you have to return it or you miss the return date and you, you end up wasting the money on it, or you get it home and you don't know what to do with it my guess is you are not quite sure what your aesthetic is, that you don't quite know, so you don't have the confidence to make those decisions that you need to be making. And so you waste time and you end up wasting money. So in this part, it is really critical that we hone our aesthetic, that we learn how to figure out what it is, quite honestly and simply. We figure out what it is. All right, here you go. Are you ready? What I want you to do is I want you to use Pinterest to do this. You're going to use Pinterest and you're going to take some, um, take some time, limit your time, and you're going to pin some of the images that you find for the room that you're redesigning. Now, what I mean by that is if I'm redesigning my living room, I am only searching on Pinterest for my living room. I'm not searching product specific. I am keeping it really, really broad. And I'm going to cap my pinning to about 30. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time there because I know and you know that Pinterest can be a rabbit hole. We can waste a lot of time. So just like if we were to go to a department store and smell all the smells, smell all the perfume, and then realize after about 10 that they all are starting to smell the same, that's what happens if you spend too much time on Pinterest. Not only that, but comparisonitis sets in. You start looking at things and you start thinking, gosh, my home doesn't look like that and my home can never look like that and why not this and why my home's not perfect. And kind of, we, we don't, we want to use Pinterest in a positive light and spending a little bit too much time here, a little bit too much time um, down the rabbit hole and comparing ourselves to others is counterintuitive. So we are going to limit both number in of pins we're pinning and the amount of time. So be true to that. And I want you to, um, you're going to concentrate on the first, we'll say 30, cap it at 30, 
pins for the room that you're going to be doing. So in my case, the living room, the first 30 that catch my attention, and then I'm going to shut off Pinterest. I'm going to shut off my computer. I'm going to go do some yard work. I'm going to go take my dog for a walk. I'm going to go do yoga, do something that gets your mind off of Pinterest and into living. After that, come back the next day. And now you're going to start, um, looking at those pins with a fine tooth comb, with a magnifying glass, and you're going to write down in the um, note section of that pin, you're going to write down all of the things that gravitated you to it. What were the things that you loved about it? And not only that, but what were some of the things that you didn't love? And you might be really, really specific here. In fact, I encourage you to be. I would write down things like, I really love that blue built-in bookcase. I didn't like the, the how high the rug was or the shape of the rug. I liked a little bit of that pink in that pillow, but I didn't like the design of the pillow. You're going to be really specific and you're going to limit your time again here. 20, 30 minutes maybe. You're not going to be searching for any more living rooms. You're going to be turning it off after 20 to 30 minutes. Go do the activity that lights you up. Go hug those babies. Spend time with your babies and your family. And then come back the next day. And the next day what you're going to be doing is taking another fine tooth comb to the the Pinterest images you have already found, you've already written the notes on, and now you're trying to identify what are the things that kept repeating themselves over and over and over and over and over again. What colors popped up again over and over? What textures popped up again? What metals, what wood tones, what uh, lines of couches, for example? What were the design elements that you gravitated towards over and over again? And you're going to write that down. And that, my dear, is the foundation of your aesthetic. Now, you might have to rinse and repeat this step and this process several times before you can fully understand, but I would not do it that day. I wouldn't do it that day. Maybe take another break, maybe take a couple days and then come back and try again. Sometimes you might get a really good idea of what your aesthetic is that first time through, and then you might wait a year actually and do it again. All right, you're well on your way, and that is going to help you gain and build confidence as you go to those home decor stores, as you figure out what it is that you actually like, what it is that really deserves space and time and kind of a commitment, uh, commitment enough to pay for it, bring it home, and put it somewhere within your home. All right, we are moving on to the B of home design. One of the things that gets us stuck straight away and gets us stuck, and so many of you probably are already here or still here, and that is the budget. And the idea that home design or a home that you love is going to cost way too much money. It's just going to be out of reach. So I'm not even going to start. Is that you? Are you raising your hand? Okay, I have great news for you and I have really bad news for you. Which one would you like first? <laughs> I say this to my kids all the time. They probably get tired of me saying that. Good news or bad news? Which one? Okay, the really good news for you is that home design doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It just doesn't. The bad news is that sometimes we align our expectations with 
the idea of money and that gets us out of alignment and it makes it so that we stay stuck we stay cemented in this idea that i can't have the home that i want because i don't have the funds and that is really rooted if we think about it in the idea that you want the change to happen right now okay this is also where i want to say that home design can cost a lot, a lot, a lot of money if you hire the fancy pants designer who says, what is your budget? And, oh, sorry, I can't make the changes in that budget. <laughs> or if you decide that you're going to do it yourself, you go out, you buy the spring collection of whatever store you're, you're, you suits your fancy and you bring it home then. Yeah, that's going to cost a lot. It's unrealistic. Not only that, but it's going to look like you shopped the spring collection of whatever store. It is not going to look nuanced. It is not going to look curated. It is not going to look like there's a reflection of your personality at all. So that might be the good news. It helps us to remember that we should avoid shopping that way. But the other good news is this. When you align your expectations with um, an appropriate timeline and you align your expectations with the idea and understanding of making the biggest impact change first, then you can set a realistic budget. And that budget actually doesn't have to be set in stone as much as you think it needs to be set in stone. You might have a starting point and that starting point is very good right? Everyone needs a starting point. I have this much to play with right now. But sometimes the biggest impact change doesn't cost a lot. You just might not know what the biggest impact change is. And that has happened time and time and time and time again with staging clients I've had, with home design clients I've had. And we realize once we make the biggest impact change first, huh, we actually don't hate that thing that we needed to replace or we thought we needed to replace that cost or would have cost thousands of dollars. Let me give you an example. A couple years ago, I was wanting to redesign my, my boy's bathroom. Now you have heard me talk about this on the show before. I have three boys and three boys in a bathroom that they share means mom sometimes doesn't want to go in there, right? It stinks. There's stank. There's all kinds of nasty all over the place, all the time, no matter how much is cleaned. And I wanted a refresh. Of course, a deep cleaning would have been wonderful too, and it got that. But it fit the bill of, it drove me bonkers. And so I wanted to make change. And I was kind of thinking everything needed to be changed. I didn't like the builder grade mirror. I was fine with the sinks. Those were fine. The countertops, not a fan. I didn't really like the color of the cabinets. The flooring was terrible. The paint job was gross. The tub, of course, was fine. The toilet was fine, whatever. But everything else really needed a change. And I was literally in uh, Lowe's at the time shopping for flooring. I was going to I had been researching which flooring I could put in by myself. I wanted to make sure that this was a project I could do and call in help if I needed it. I was pricing out um, molding uh, baseboards. I was pricing out baseboards. I was pricing out mirrors. I was pricing out new light fixtures. I was pricing out, you name it, 
I was pricing it out. And I realized that, well, I'm going to back up for a second. And when we first moved in, the boys were really little. And so we made it a playful color and the color was uh, Granny Smith green, Granny Smith apple green. It was really kind of a cute, fun, playful color. And I, during the middle of uh, pricing out all of the flooring, that gosh, this is going to cost a couple thousand dollars. I don't want to spend a couple thousand dollars. What if I just paint? I'm just going to paint and let's see, let's see what happens. Because you know what? I hated the flooring, but when I put the paint on the wall, I actually really enjoyed the flooring. I liked the flooring. The flooring, by the way, is cheap laminate. My boys, you know, they're three boys. They don't need fancy pants flooring right now. They don't need that. When they're a little bit older, when they know how to take care of the bathroom, when they actually clean it the way I ask them to (laughs) before I come in and clean over them, they are going to um, not take care of or appreciate the really nice flooring. So I don't want to invest all that money in it right now. In a year, two, three, maybe I will. And in fact, I probably will. But right now I don't need to. I changed the paint and I am so glad I did. That flooring that I hated that was going to cost me thousands of dollars ended up actually staying put. I added a jute rug on top. That looked really cute. My walls were a lighter color and wow, my floors popped in a way that I didn't think they could. I didn't hate my floors anymore. That was the biggest impact change, not the flooring. The biggest impact change, by the way, hint, hint, will be one of your foundation pieces. Do you remember that from the A, from the anatomy of the room? The biggest impact change will likely be one of the foundational pieces. Now, I don't know about you, but I know if I were to choose between flooring that's functional, that I might not like the color of, or painting the walls, I know which one my pocketbook would like better. And that, my dear, is how you help save a little bit, how you help um, create the budget that works for you, and then a timeline that works for you. When you manage those expectations and um, really think about timeline and biggest impact first, and then next biggest impact change, and then next and next, once you know those secrets, And each one, by the way, is going to be specific to you. It is not going to be the same for me as it will be for my friend, Sarah, as it will be for Nancy down the street, as it will be for grandma. It will be different for everyone based on what your starting point is. All right. That's a little tricky. That is a little tricky concept to understand when you think I'm turning budget on top of its head and not thinking of it only in terms of a dollar amount. Budget to me is biggest impact change plus timeline. And it is all about creating a project map that is specific to you and your home. All right, we are moving on to C. C is for cohesiveness. And you can create cohesiveness so many ways, but today we're going to talk a little bit about creating a cohesive color palette. Now we have camped on this before, but we are going to revisit it again because it is so, so good. When you create a color formula that you use through open concept areas or semi-open concept areas in your home, you create a cohesive feel. And generally, if you were to go through and 
relook at any of those Pinterest images you had or even scroll Instagram and think, oh, these are pretty pictures. What is it I like about it? Chances are most, if not all of these images that you're looking at and are gravitating towards are in some way cohesive. Whether or not you like the overall design, they are cohesive. I would, I would bet my bottom dollar. <laughs> I would imagine they're all cohesive. That cohesiveness is the thing that um, makes your design work together. Whether it is funky town and boho or whether it is farmhouse through and through or traditional and you're not a fan of traditional, sometimes the cohesiveness makes it work. So how do you do that with a color palette? You are going to create a color palette formula and this is generally somewhere around these numbers. 60 plus 30 plus 10 equals 100. 60 is your foundational color. Again, going back to the anatomy of the room, the foundation is your walls. So 60% is going to be the wall color. 30% is your first, your most dominant primary color or accent color, I should say. And then your 10% is your secondary accent color. This can change from, for, from person to person, and you can even have another accent color. You would just want to adjust the ratio in order to meet the 100%. Now, the easiest way to create this color palette is to keep the 60% all the same color. That's the easiest way. And then you bring in two accent colors, your dominant accent color and your secondary accent color. But if you're wanting to be a little bit more nuanced in your design, you can adjust those ratios a little bit, depending on which room you're going to be using the more dominant color in. And as long as it's in your open concept or your semi-open concept area, and it still sits within your color palette formula, you're good. So here's what I mean. Let's use this formula as an example. 60% is going to be white boring, I know, but you know what? There's a lot to say about having a white foundation. I just want to say that right now. Imagine, imagine if you wanted a fuchsia couch. How fun would that be? Okay, back on track. I'm not going to get a fuchsia couch. Mr. Fig and Farm, if you're listening, that is not in, (laughs) that's not in the future. Don't worry. Okay, but let's say 60% of your foundation color is white, and then 30% is going to be navy blue. 10%, let's bring in fuchsia. I think that's fun. 10% is going to be fuchsia. Now, what would happen if my first option, remember, is the easiest way to create that cohesive color palette, and that is all of the walls in the open concept area, any rooms that flow together through a hallway that are connected through an open, open area, not a door, are going to be this 60% white. Now, the minute you start shutting that door is the minute you start creating or the opportunity to create a mini design habitat. And you can use the same idea of a color uh, palette formula within that room. And maybe it's completely different. It has nothing to do with the blues and and the whites. But we are staying inside of the open concept area. We're staying inside there. We're staying inside of the semi open concept and maybe... We, are, we have um, the white as most of the 60%, but we have a, uh, the dining room, and the dining room is still semi-open concept. There's no door that shuts us off and creates a, a mini design habitat. It is still part of that open concept, and you know what? I want that whole room to be navy blue. 
that navy blue now is my 60% within that room. I need to adjust the other colors in that room. So maybe I would have the white be the 30% and the fuchsia be 10%. I move on into the living room and you know what? This is where I want that fuchsia couch. So we're going to play with that. I want mostly white in here. That's the foundation wall. So 60% in here, but I'm going all fuchsia. I'm going to do the fuchsia velvet couch and I'm going to do some fuchsia and navy blue chairs and navy blue pillows on the chairs. And you know what? Let's get the fuchsia on the curtains. Okay. I'm kind of painting a really dramatic picture, but you can insert whatever color you want for the fuchsia and still get the same idea. I know in this scenario, 60% is still my white because it is the foundation of the walls. But now my ratio has shifted a little bit and 30% is now my fuchsia and 10% is now my navy blue. So you can see how you can play with the uh, ratio and which color becomes dominant in which area of your home through the open concept area. As long as those colors are still within the same color palette and you can see these colors represented room to room through that open concept area, it is going to be cohesive. So the name of the game here, girls, is repetition. And if you remember nothing else in home design, I want you to remember this. Repetition is the key to home design. Repetition is the foundation for creating a cohesive look. Repetition. Now, what is the counter to repetition? Those are bullies. And if you have something popping out in here that is not repeated element, it is going to be a bully. And that is going to command and demand attention in a negative way that brings down your room's design. So if you have a room at home that you think, ooh, something's off here, something doesn't feel quite right, something isn't, mm, something's a little janky, it's, it might be a bully. So take a minute, look around and see what it is that is commanding your attention and see if you can remediate it. Remediating, of course, means removing or adding other elements to repeat whatever it is that's kind of causing it to bring it down. All right, we are moving on to the D in uh, our home design. And D is to design. We're almost ready, but not quite. So my first D is don't, don't buy a thing. You're not quite ready. You're almost there. So let's back up and let's talk about why you might not want to purchase anything yet. Okay, you are still in the middle of the design process. And before we purchase anything, we need to vet all of our design decisions against all of the things and the work that we just did. So if we purchased things now, it would be a lot like shoveling during a snowstorm. It would be like brushing our teeth while we're eating dinner. Okay, no one has ever done that, right? You just don't do that. <laughs> oh man, I can only imagine it. There's a great picture in my, in my mind. Or, you know, purchasing right now during the planning process is a lot like making your bed while you're still sleeping in it. You get the idea. You just don't do those things because you need to finish one thing before you do the other. We need to finish planning before we do the purchasing. So how are we going to do that? We want to create a visual for us to kind of run all of our ideas through before we make a purchase. And this is going to go back to that 
budget and timeline idea because we want to make sure that we are making choices that we um, are confident in. And we won't know if we're confident in unless we decide if the pieces that we want to bring in, the anchors or the peripherals, are part of our aesthetic. Are they? Are they part of our cohesive color palette? Or are they bullies? We are going to go through all of the things that we think we might need from our anchor list. Remember that list that we began to make? The um, needs list of all of the items that we need in order to create the room that really meets the purpose of that room. And we are running them all through the filter of our aesthetic, our cohesive color palette. And we're going to do that by creating a document that will allow us to see these pieces that we think we might want and put them visually into a, um, a visual board so that we can see if we even like them together. Now, once we understand our project map back in the budgeting phase, we are going to know which thing that we should purchase first and then second and then third and then fourth, which things of these ideas that we want to bring in are going to make the biggest impact. But we're going to use a Word document, Fancy Pants Word document, and we're going to take a, as we are shopping online, we're going to take a snapshot, a screenshot of that picture, and we're going to crop it a little bit, put it on that Word document, and bring in the other elements that you put on your need list, that you run through the aesthetic, the cohesive color palette filter, and you're going to see if they look nice together. Do you have them uh, looking nice together or not. Maybe you realize that the couch that you really, really wanted for that room is actually not so cute next to that lamp that you wanted, or the color of that that chair is just, it's not fitting the bill with the color scheme and the color formula that you have laid out. This is very much similar to the olden days when maybe some of you in your teenage room had the cork board and you had all the pictures of all the things that you wanted to do, the hair, the haircuts that were so cute and the clothing that was so cute and the nail polish and the, the clothes and all the things. This is very similar to that. It allows you the opportunity to see how these pieces that you put on your need list match with all of the things that all of the work that we've done before us before you spend a dime. It helps you save money and it helps you to grow in confidence. Of course, there are many more tricks along the way to make sure that the sizing is right and that scaling is right, but creating a visual before you make any purchase is really helpful. And now we get to E, the fun part, the execution part. And the way I see it, you have several options. The first option is to piecemeal all of this together, to take it on your own and to use this as a guide and the podcast as a guide and my blog as a guide and come into the Facebook group and use all of the trainings that we do in there all as a guide to piece it together in your own time and figure it out. All of the information is given to you. And it's given to you because some of you are ready to have results happen. Some of you are go-getters and you are, you're after it. You have already started making change. You've already started figuring out what the biggest impact change is going to be in your own home and you are knocking it out of the park. Fantastic. And some of you are still thinking, yeah, mm, uh, raising your hand, I might need a little bit more help with that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm still not sure what or if or when or how or why some of you are still thinking that it this might not be for you yet. That creating a home environment for you is not really worth it quite yet. And that's okay. Keep listening because someday it will be. And others of you still are thinking, you know what? I need a little bit of handholding because this sounds about right. I get it. Yep. I need to figure out what my aesthetic is because I'm done wasting money. I need to figure out how to put it all together, create that color palette that is cohesive and move my home from feeling a little bit blah and meh to a home that really lights me up. That is the space that I have created to be. And the way that it serves our family is just a joy to all of us. And it's not going to get there on my own. And if that is you, if you're ready to make the steps and you're just not entirely sure what to do, Design 101, my 10-week immersive design class is open. It's open for registration and it starts April 14th. It's 10 weeks, 10 weeks of weekly live teachings, weekly accountability, weekly support, and weekly action. Can we just say that again? It is action. And every week there is an action item that we're going to be taking to get our design needle moving forward so that we can really finally understand what our aesthetic is. And we're not guessing at it anymore because the designer's eye is right on it. And that designer is going to be helping you figure it out too. We're going to be understanding what our cohesive color palette is and figure out if there are any bullies bringing that room down because you might not see it in your home. You might not see it even if it's staring at you in the face, but someone else will. And it might be me and it might be the accountability support group that we have walking this 10-week journey with you. During the 10 weeks, we also create that project map and that project map is going to be specific to you. It is not going to be a one-size-fits-all thing that is going to be repeated for everyone in the course. It is not because your starting point is unique to you. Your ending point is unique to you and your personality sister, oh my gosh, is unique to you. So we want to make sure that you are getting set up for success so that when your timing is right and you have that plan in place, you are ready to know what is the biggest impact change specific to you, what you should be making first that change, and then second, and then third, and then fourth, all the way until you have that room finished. Now, one of the questions I get a lot is, why would I do this instead of just hire you to do the design? That is a really valid question. And the answer is this. Yeah, I can do the design for you. I would love to do the the design for you. It's so creative. It's so much fun. And Quite honestly, it brings me a lot of joy, especially when I understand what your aesthetic is and I bring in the design that really will light you up. I love that. Yes, hire me. I'm, I'm here. But the other option is for you to learn how to do it yourself because think about this scenario. Three years down the road, you have finished that one room we just worked on. You went through the class, you finished that one room, and three years down the road, you decide now it's time to do the other room that's on your list. And then a year later, the other room that's on your list. And a year later after that, the other room. And then 10 years go by and you realize, oh, trends have changed. And I actually want to redo that one that we started with. (laughs) The course taught me all about 10 years ago. The idea here is that you have learned the process. You know it. You understand your aesthetic 
you understand how to create a home that feels cohesive, you understand what it means to create the environment that is a reflection of you. We talked a few weeks ago about thinking about your home in terms of being a living history museum, and that's kind of a dramatic way to think about it, but it couldn't be more true. It couldn't be more true. Your home is a canvas for storytelling. That is what it is. And you, my dear, are the author. So what is it that you want your home to say? And what is it that you want it to reflect? Because something is reflecting already and it can reflect you. It can reflect your personality. It can reflect all of those teeny tiny little kids staring back at you. It can reflect all of you. Or it can reflect that Pinterest image that you copied. It's beautiful, but it doesn't have your personality. Or... It can reflect the way that you moved your items in 10 years ago and you didn't move a thing, you didn't change a thing. It's still in the same position from 10 years ago. It can reflect whatever you want it to read. It is your choice because you are the author. So I encourage you, if you are interested in taking action, if you are interested in moving your design needle forward, if you're interested in creating that environment that really lights you up, that serves your family in a way that is a reflection of you and just brings you joy, makes you breathe a little easier when you walk into the space after a long day, if you are ready, I want you to go and register for that. Registration will close when the class is full and class size is kept um, limited because I want to make sure that my attention is on you. I want to make sure that you get the attention that you deserve, that you get my hand holding, my eyes, you get all your questions answered. I want to make sure that you get what you need. But ultimately, I want to make sure that you get the results that you want. And so keeping it um, small is really important for me because I want to make sure that you get what you want, that you get what you deserve, and that you get um, the learning that you desire. So How do you register for that? You can go over to figandfarmathome.com forward slash registration. Easy peasy. Now this class is my spring session and after this it will be, um, the next one will probably be late, uh, uh, late summer or early fall. So if you are wanting to make change, if you're wanting to get that ball rolling, hop to it. Let's do it. I can't wait to see you in class. And if you have any questions, you know how to reach me. You can reach me on Instagram at Fig and Farm. You can pop into the Facebook group or you can just email me. All of those links I'm going to put in the show notes. So make sure you ask away if you have any questions, any hesitation, or if you want a little bit more or different information. So until next time, I hope you are all well. And I hope these ABCs inspire you. I hope that they are enough to get you into action. And if you need more, if you need some handholding, you know where to go. Design 101 spring session is open April 14th. So register today and I'll see you in class. Take care and I'll see you soon. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.